Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Tuesday, uh, December the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker with Mark Smith, and we're going to be listening to a hymn assigned for this coming Sunday, Hark a Thrilling Voice. think of that hymn pastor smith hi i i think it's a good hymn uh, i think the the words uh words were a little bit different than what are before me in our hymnal but uh, it's a good advent hymn i like the i like the music good did you uh like the name of the hymn hark a thrilling voice is sounding yeah especially you know when you you relate it to john the baptist that's what it's. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare a way for the Lord. He's the uh, he's the voice that's sounding and, and warning everybody uh, uh, to repentance. We do not know who the author was. Uh, it's anonymous. Didn't appear till the 10th century. Possibly was around in the 5th century. But the um, author is Ed, uh, or the translator is Edward Caswall. And what he did, his going from the Latin to the English was, hark an awful voice is sounding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see why they changed that to thrilling. <laughs> yes. He was born July 15th, 1814, ordained a deacon, and a year later, a priest at Bath. And that was, of course, in the, Roman, uh, in the English church. But he got right. attracted to the Oxford movement and was interested in Roman Catholic doctrine. So after seven years as a priest in the Church of England, he and his wife joined the Roman Catholic Church. Mm, and in 1852, he was ordained a priest in the Catholic Church, but he devoted himself to administering to the sick and the poor and to translating early Latin hymns from the Roman breveries as well as writing some original hymns. He died in 1878, and he translated about 200 hymns. The ones in our hymnal, Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding, Glory be to Jesus, Come, Holy Ghost, Creator blessed, and O Jesus, King, most wonderful. Those so, are all familiar. He was all pretty well active. So... 
we're going to be taking a look at the first hymn. If you want to uh, take a reading of the first stanza. Okay. Hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Christ is near, we hear it say. Cast away the works of darkness, all you children of the day. This is a hymn assigned for the Advent Sunday, and it's really been something that a lot of people do sing. And as I said, the first line has been revised from hark an awful voice is sounding to hark a thrilling voice is sounding. And there were a number of other items like in verse 2, Christ is nigh, becomes Christ is near. Verse 3, cast away the dreams of darkness, cast away the works of darkness. And verse 4, O ye children of the day, all thou children of the day. So there are a number of changes made since he translated it. But this first stanza Who's it talking about? It's talking about John the Baptist. Yes. And so it does have the themes of Advent. You know, we have two Sundays, the first and second Advent, that are talking about John the Baptist. Right. And so what's it saying about John the Baptist? Well, he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know, it's interesting— uh, a lot of this, I forget which verse. I think, uh, I think it's the fourth verse, which is uh, which reminds us of the of the the hymn that John the Baptist's father Zechariah proclaimed, that, which we call today the Benedictus. Um, let's see. It talks about light. That the world will be wrapped in fear, and he will shield us with uh, with his mercy and with words of love draw near. Uh, light is a is a prominent, uh, the sun of righteousness arising. Uh, Christ uh, Christ is compared to the sun. That's S U N, arising uh, arising in the world, uh, the dawn of his coming, coming with pardon and uh, peace and forgiveness comes down from heaven. So you finished the hymn? No. <laughs> There's a lot well, you there. You went way ahead. We're, we're still on verse 1. <laughs> okay. All right. Cast away the works of darkness. That's, that's John's message. Repentance. Repent. Uh, for the, for the Maya, Messiah is coming. All you children of the day, repent. You let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, a lot of people a, are a lot of people that's just going to go in one ear and out the other they aren't going to they aren't going to listen they aren't going to heed the, uh the baptist warning but uh but he's he's uh, appealing to to uh, children of light children of the day believers well are you sure they were all believers that came to be baptized by him no or did they i would come to faith through what yeah. he had to say yeah right sure uh, if they didn't, if they didn't believe already, certainly uh, they were driven to repentance by John's preaching, and wanted to be baptized. That's a good sign. Now, whether whether they remained in the faith, whether they later drifted away and even ended up re rejecting Jesus, 
that's that's a possibility. But you know, the, the scripture says that you know virtually all Judea went out to hear John the Baptist preach, uh, pre- preach the the solemn warning of of the the coming of the Christ. But we know there were Pharisees there who were right. unbelievers. That is and they true. Were part yes. Of Judea. Yes, but some of the Pharisees believed, like uh, uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. They were both Pharisees, and yet they were fervent believers. Not at that time. Not yet, no. No, it wasn't until John 3 that Nicodemus came to talk to Jesus, and he did that in the night so people wouldn't know he was talking to Jesus. So Right, right. It, it took, um, you know— I've been talking about that recently about the distinction between people on the milk of the word and the meat of the word. And that's the first step that we do with the milk of the word. I'm running some adult instruction classes now, and they're moving from the milk of the word, which I would say is a Sunday school level to the meat of the word. Uh, For example, when you're talking to children in Sunday school, you don't try and explain the Trinity. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard, but there's right. quite a bit that can be said about it uh, to adults who are moving sure. from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Yeah. Now, the one, one item the most... that I find in stanza one, cast away the works of darkness. How does the world understand that? Oh, they probably would interpret that as, oh, you Christians, you just don't want us to have fun. No. You want us you uh, I'm asking the question, what would they think about how to cast away the works of darkness? What would they think of casting away get rid of your get rid of your sins, get rid of exactly. your, uh, your 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 filthy living. This is a law and gospel point of view that John the baptizer is making and you already mentioned how Christians cast away the works of darkness. Yes. Not by getting rid of sin, but? By believing. No, by repenting. Repenting Repenting and believing. Yes. So repentance is a work of contrition, sadness over the sins that a person is doing. But... When I talk to people in Uber and I say, you know, uh, you got to get rid of your sins, they often will say, well, like you just said, I don't think what I'm doing is wrong or I'm unable to get rid of my sins. And they have a totally wrong view of how to cast away the works of darkness. Yeah, they're not what the hymn would call children of the day. Well said. That's good. All right. I'll read two. Started startled at the solemn warning, let the earthbound soul arise. Christ, its son, and that's spelled S-U-N, all sloth dispelling, shine upon the morning skies. So when they hear the word of John the baptizer, they're startled. And the reason for that is because they had never really heard this message before. See, Christians bring a message that is not common sense and is not known by nature. It has to be revealed. 
And so remember what John the baptizer says about the soldiers, be content with your wages. And when you defeat somebody, don't go ahead and steal from them. So that was a startled warning. But I, I, I believe that the law is not a means of grace, but it is no. a means of judgment. Right. But we'll, it will. What, what's good about the law when it's preached, and it should be preached along with the gospel, the law yes. drives us to our knees and helps us to realize how lost and damned we would be without a Savior. It drives us to our knees so that we can be receptive to hear the good news of forgiveness in the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, a good example of that is the book of Job, where after he goes through all the suffering and such, he is bowing to God, saying, I spoke once, I'm not going to spoke anymore, speak anymore. And then he says, I repent in dust and ashes. And that's a good example of what you just said. Yeah. All right. You know, one of the uh, one of the Bible passages that is given as the uh, text, as the basis for this hymn, is Isaiah 60, uh, verses 1 through 3. And here that, that theme of light, arise, shine, for your light has come. We know the light is Christ, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For we think of the glory that surrounded those shepherds out in the fields of Bethlehem when the angels appeared to them and told them about the Savior. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. There you've got a reference to the uh, the wise men, uh, the wise men coming from the east to see to see the newborn king, and how all the world is uh, is brought into the church uh, when, he, when, when he's lifted up on the cross, Jesus. And remember, at Pentecost, how many people were converted? Oh, let's says, see, 3,000? Yes, Thousands. exactly. Good memory. Yeah. 3,000 were converted by Just hearing the message day. of Peter. Yep. Right. All right. Stanza three, please. Yes. See the Lamb so long expected comes with pardon down from heaven. Let us haste with tears of sorrow, one and all, to be forgiven. Yes. How do we understand the word pardon? When, when is that used? Uh, well, it's, I, I pretty much think of that in terms of forgiveness. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think. Are you thinking of another hymn, perhaps, or a specific no. pardon? How does the world use the word pardon? Oh, well, very loosely and casually. Pardon me. Pardon me. You know, you do that when you go into a store and you get in the way of some other customer. Pardon me. Excuse me. So it's it's used very lightly. Um, but really, uh, we're talking about the pardon that that Christ brings to us, that's a very, a very wonderful thing. Yeah, the very example I would use for pardon is, of course, when a soldier deserts, he's put in jail, and then he's pardoned. Oh, what does there's that a mean? good one, yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit more of a heavy 
uh, a heavy meaning for pardon. That means that that he's excused. It's it's not that he's not guilty, but he right. is uh, the, the guilt the 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 uh, the bad uh, rep- reputation is expunged from his record, and he is uh, his his uh, his badness is overlooked. Yes, uh, for example, some people would go to Canada to get out of being made a soldier. And when they are pardoned, what happens, that means they are no longer held to be accountable for what they have done. Right. Which is the meaning of forgiveness. Yes. Yes. It's it's not that uh, we aren't guilty. We know that apart from Christ, we are we daily sin much, and indeed we deserve, deserve nothing but punishment. But but you're right. Uh, the forgiveness that Christ gives us, it, it says to us guilty sinners, you are covered with Christ's robe of righteousness. When God looks at you, you're not a sinner but a saint from his exactly. perspective. Yes. And so this idea of being able to be forgiven while you're still guilty that's the unique thing of Christianity, because in every other religion, you're forgiven because you cleaned up your act, or yeah. you stopped doing sin, or something like that. Or you so, punished yourself. Yeah, there's so much in this hymn that people really miss when they're singing it, because you're concentrating on keeping the tune, etc. I mentioned to you, and, and I know you don't like this, but I'm in a uh, two congregations where we say the hymns every week because that's what the district president wants uh, rather than singing it because of the virus. That's the whole district of, uh, is it central Illinois? Yes. The whole district does that, right? Well, that's what the district president encourages. I see. I yes. see. Wow. I All would right. really miss the music. Okay. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out Christmas. Especially Maybe if you keep their mass on and sing right. Silent Night, which isn't that loud a hymn, would that be okay? Oh, sure. We we sing boisterous hymns even, but we all wear masks. That's true. Oh, you continue to wear the masks while you're singing? The congregation oh, yes. does? Oh, yeah, oh. throughout the whole service. Okay. I'll read four. So... When next he comes in glory and the world is wrapped in fear, he will shield us with his mercy and with words of love draw near. Now notice the distinction, and you've already made this, between those who are children of the sun, children of light, compared to the world. The world is wrapped in fear. Why is that? Well, now this verse, unlike the previous verses, this is talking not about his first coming, but about his uh, his return when he comes on the last day. And at exactly. that time, things will be so bad that uh, you know people, most people will be wrapped in fear. It's uh, Christians, of course, will we can lift up our heads and know that our redemption draweth nigh. So uh, we do, we need not fear as we, as we, as the day approaches, but this is talking about the last day. Definitely. Yes. And um, shall we get into it again? He will shield us with his mercy. All right. What does that mean? That, uh, well, I see there uh, the robe of righteousness. He'll, 
He'll drape us in his robe of righteousness. No, that that would be his grace. Yeah, yeah. Here we get into those three again. Oh, yeah, you mean the difference between grace and mercy. Let's see. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. Yes. We we deserve punishment and uh, eternal punishment. So that's mercy when we don't when we don't get what we really deserve as as miserable sinners. And grace? And grace is that's when we get what we don't deserve. Excellent. Right? Excellent. Yes. So what you had said about what we were beginning is really a part of his grace because he is merciful to us and will not hold us accountable for our sins. Right. And uh, that's understood with words of love draw near. Yes. What's the third aspect? You've talked about mercy. You've talked about grace. What's the third one, Tom? I'm trying to remember. Justice. Justice. That's when we, that's when we get what we deserve. <laughs> exactly. And we, and we don't want that. No, no, no. But yeah. every religion believes that. Yes, uh, now, yes. God is just in another sense that he just doesn't forgive sins for no reason. He forgives sins on account of the death of Christ on the cross. Right. But he's not just in the sense of those who go to heaven are those who deserve it, and those who go to hell are those who don't. He's not yeah. a God of justice in that sense. No, that's so, right. It's kind of confusing sometimes. Thanks be to God that, as he says, where sin did abound, God's grace did much more abound. Yes. So, fifth stanza, and there's a triangle in front of it. Right. That's a doxological verse which speaks of the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Honor, glory, might, dominion to the Father and the Son with the ever-living Spirit, while eternal ages run. Now, what is meant by eternal ages? That's a endless time. Endless yes. time. In, in heaven, of course, there'll be, we'll be above all time and space, and there'll be, it'll be endless glory for, for those, uh, for believers. What, what's join. nice about this Trinitarian verse is the honor, glory, might, and dominion are connected to each of the persons of the Trinity. That's right. There's no They're distinction. All yeah, I was just uh, teaching that in catechism. In Daniel 7, God the Father, as the Ancient of Days, sends the Son of Man to earth. And in Daniel 7, the Ancient of Days is dressed and looks a certain way. But when yes. you get to Revelation chapter 1, and it's talking about Jesus, he also is dressed just like God the Father. And yes. the point I was making was, this reminds us as verses of Jesus, I and the Father are one. And when you see me, you see the Father. Yeah, and I also think of that verse where it talks about the fullness of the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him. Yes. 
we do make a distinction, and here's where you get into the meat of the word. Yeah. Between the humiliation and exaltation. What does that mean? Uh, humiliation is is when he you know he he was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the humble Virgin Mary, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius and Pi- Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. His exaltation, his exaltation begins with actually his descent into hell, and his exaltation is un uninterrupted glory. He fully uses. All the power that was always accessible to him, all the divine power and glory. Yes, and so in, in his humiliation, humiliation, in a state of humiliation, he did not always use the power that belonged to him. Uh, on rare occasions, he did perform miracles, but he just didn't use. He just did not always use that power. And one of the powers is his omniscience, where he himself, in his state of humiliation, says. He doesn't know when the last day is. Right. But he, he does now because he's now exalted to the right hand of God. That's and right. that's important because that's where eternal ages run. And we are also at the right hand of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Right. So we'll be using this hymn for this coming Sunday, Hark a Thrilling Voice is Sounding. And uh, it's probably going to be used in a number of verses, uh, um, services. Yeah, we'll probably use it too. Our, our pastor is pretty good at using the appointed hymn of the day. Exactly. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll continue with our study of C.F.W. Walther. He's doing lectures just a few weeks after his wife had died. And so there's quite a bit in there that is very interesting. So thanks for listening today to Mark Smith and myself, Tom Baker. God bless you. Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.